Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here, and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, now let's get started. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host for the show. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the course, The Bullyproof Classroom. This course provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to be taking a look at whether you're ACOA or ACOA+. You know, it's amazing how in our society and in our culture, we have a way of hanging little tags on symptoms that people have or conditions as they could be called. You know, you have ADHD, your ADD, you have bipolar one, you have manic, you're manic, you're depressive. And, you know, you you can hear the symptoms of these things and you could almost talk yourself into having the condition. You could get a pain in your stomach on the right side and just heard about someone who had their appendix out. And automatically you think you may be having an appendix attack and you need to have an appendectomy. Now I'm not saying that if you get a pain on your right side you shouldn't get it checked out. But there could be a lot of other reasons why you have it. And we begin to think that we have certain things when in reality we don't. Now Years ago, there was this condition that existed, and I'm not doubting that it does. I'm not doubting that it does. I just don't think that it's a condition that can't be battled or fought or dealt with 
you know, throughout the course of a person's life. Sometimes we can use a condition for an excuse for our behavior, and I'm going to get into that. And the condition is called ACOA, Adult Child of an Alcoholic. And John Bradshaw was the guru in this area. He spoke about this, and he gave tremendously great treatment plans that a person could use to help them battle the problem. In other words, we were adults raised in an alcoholic environment, and the condition that we ended up with almost just forced us to remain children, and we had to become we had to become adults all over again. We were children in an adult's body because of being raised by parents who were alcoholics or who drank. And you know that when someone drinks, when they drink, their entire personality changes, their outlook changes, their behavior toward other people changes, and they end up becoming very inconsistent. They become very cranky when they're not drinking. They could become violent or they could become, you know, very passive when they drank. There's a whole host of different things that happen when someone consumes too much alcohol. Now, I was raised over a bar. So, at a very early age, it was very easy for me to be around people who drank all the time. I saw them. I saw the personality changes that occurred over the course of a few hours of a, a customer's visit in my father's bar. And... I used to think as I grew up that it was normal for someone to drink from 5 o'clock in the evening until 9 o'clock. That's what I thought. And my whole world was, I was surrounded by people who drank. My dad was a binge drinker and he'd go off on a bender every six months or so. And he might be gone from one to three days. And I always asked my dad where he slept, and she would just say in his car. Nobody really knew where he went. But I developed this insecurity every time my father went out. And a lot of the insecurities that I developed as a young child led to me being bullied. There's no question about it. Because I was so insecure, I became insecure around others. And as I got older, I became insecure in relationships because once I got into one, I almost didn't want the relationship to end regardless of how bad the relationship may have been. And in my home, I wasn't sure who drove who crazier, mom or dad. Dad would drink and drive mom nuts, but when dad was sober... Mom would say things to dad that would get under his skin. So I wasn't sure if mom drove dad to drink or if dad's drinking drove my mother a little bit, 
I'll say crazy or she would get really upset and she would be driven and make comments to my dad that were just totally inappropriate. Now, I didn't drink when I was a teenager, but I started to drink when I got married the first time. And remember that, the first time. I used to drink during the summer and when I bartended at restaurants, you know, because my father sold the bar eventually. And I ended up, I was a teacher and I ended up taking a job, or several jobs in restaurants where I was a bartender. It was second nature to me. And as I became more and more unhappy in my marriage, I drank more until my drinking got a little bit out of control, and I became frightened of my own behavior and thoughts. Now, if you want to discover a whole lot about an illness or a condition, all you have to do is get it or think that you have it, and you'll start to read all there is to read about it in books, magazines, online, or any place you can find the information. And I came across this acronym, ACOA. And I said to myself, what the hell does this mean? Well, it means an adult child of an alcoholic. And I read more. And I discovered that somebody hooked a bunch of symptoms to this condition, 13 to be exact. And I'm not questioning whether any of this is true or not. I believe, and I believe, that there is a lot of truth in this condition. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes what happens is that once you have the condition, especially if it's uh, a condition that is related to your either addiction or your... Uh, your mental state of mind you, or your upbringing, you could come up with a lot of reasons for the way you act. Now, the, the trick here is, is you don't want these reasons to become excuses because you could end up creating a whole lot of trouble for yourself if you're not careful. And as I discovered that, as I discovered the, the symptoms in the condition, 13 to be exact, that's, you know, it's like an unlucky number. I started to say, well, that's the reason why I'm insecure. That's the reason why I have difficulty in relationships. That's the reason why I don't like my boss. That's the reason why I don't know how to have fun. That's the reason why I am very self critical and I judge myself so much. Let me just go over the, the, the symptoms. They guess at what normal is. Number one, and I used to do it all the time. Geez, am I grown up or am I still a kid? I don't know. What is normal? Well, there is no normal. Right now, we have a new normal in our culture in terms of how we deal with discipline in schools but I didn't know what normal was, if there is such a thing. I couldn't follow through on projects to, from beginning to end. This is another symptoms. 
Another symptom. And I had that. I would start things and I wouldn't finish. Now what I do is I don't start anything unless I know I'm going to finish. So I managed to get beyond that. I lie when it would just be just as easy to tell the truth. And folks who have either an alcoholic tendency or an ACOA tendency will lie when it's just as easy to tell the truth. They don't, they don't disclose the truth to, to anyone. Everything is either bent a little bit one way or the other. And there's three kinds of liars. They have the liar who is situationally reactive and is very concerned about someone reacting to them when they tell them the truth. You have the con artist, and this person can sell ice to an Eskimo. And then you have the withholder, and that's kind of what I dealt with in schools over the years. Kids would come down to the office, they'd talk to me about what they did in a classroom. They would tell me about 90% of what happened, but they leave out the 10% that incriminated them, and they became, they withheld information. So I never really had the full story, and I never really gave the full story to other people. I judged myself without mercy, for sure. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to become a little bit easier on myself. Have difficulty having fun. I talk to my wife all the time, you know, about, you know, having fun and not understanding it. I still have a little difficulty in that area. There's no doubt about it. I, you know, you, you, you want to go out, you want to go to a carnival, you want to go to a, a fair, you want to go to a wedding, you want to go out just shopping, you want to go, you know, take a walk outside. What is it that would make me have fun? And I've identified two or three things in my life that I have fun with, and I do them. Take themselves too seriously. I learned very early on that I, I wanted to be more fun-loving. In other words, I could laugh at myself a little bit easier. And my environment forced me into that because in retrospect, when I look back at all the stuff that happened to me, I absolutely, you know, realized that there was some humor in all that went on. And I used that humor in my talks and in some of my writings. Difficulty with intimate relationships. We'll get to that. Overreact to changes over which they have no control. And I think a lot of people do that. They overreact to changes that they can't control. They sit and they worry about it. You apply for a mortgage, you'll sit and worry until you hear from somebody. The bottom line is you can't control whether or not you're going to get the mortgage or not. They have the facts, they'll make their decision. Or if you happen to get into a relationship and the person says they'll call you at 3 o'clock, you'll sit there and at 3.01 you'll wonder what's going on. So you react to things of which you have no control over. Always looking for approval and affirmation. Well, I think we all want that to a degree. We all want to be recognized for what we do that's right. We want to be affirmed that when someone says to us, you really did a nice job. It makes you want to do a better job the next time. Kids need that. We have kids in school today that could come from alcoholic environments. 
They need to be affirmed and they need to have someone approve of what they did because they came from and they come from hypercritical environments. See, when a person drinks, what they do is they look at others more critically than they look at themselves at times. And what they're saying is, don't look at me, I'm looking at you and you're doing everything wrong. And I went through that to a degree in my own home. Feel they're different from other people. Well, we're all different. But when it becomes debilitating and you think you're so different that you don't fit in, now you have social issues. They're either super responsible or super irresponsible. And this is where I had to really do a lot of work. Strictly because of the fact that I became my father's caretaker when he went out. And if he drank, I got blamed for it. So I had to be responsible for him. And some of the questions that I got asked in my home were ridiculous. I'm 10 years old. Somebody says to me, where's your father? I don't know where he is. He's in his 50s. I'm 10. Am I supposed to keep track of a grown man? But I became hyper-responsible and I wanted to take care of everything right down to taking care of everything for my kids and I overdid it and at times they don't know how to do certain things that they should have learned years ago because I did it for them. They're extremely loyal even in the face of disloyalty. You could be a friend to somebody, the friend could be disloyal and you're still friends with them. You could be in a relationship with someone, they could cheat on you and you still want to be with them. This is even before you get married where the person keeps putting you off when you want to go on a date and you keep hammering away, you want to go on a date, keep calling them up. There's no giving up. You keep doing it. You're loyal to the person. You go out with somebody one time, you think you're dating them permanently. When they owe you nothing. And you owe them nothing as well, but you think you still need to be with them, take care of them, do things for them, call them. It doesn't work. And at times they have money dysfunctions. Meaning you're kind of disorganized with money, you don't pay your bills, or you hide money because you don't want anyone to get their hands on it, strictly because you want... You want to make sure that you can take care of yourself if the going gets too tough. Now, I've read that list. I've read the list. And any articles associated with the list, you know, I concluded that after I read it, that I was an ACOA. Dysfunctional. Needed therapy. I was warped. I hated my parents and had no business being married to a girl that I'd known for 10 years. These are the conclusions that I, I drew. This is where you have to start be getting a little bit careful with life. This is where you have to begin to understand that, yes, those things happen to you. You may have 
They may have been at different levels. I mean, there's a, probably a rank and file for everybody in terms of those symptoms. In other words, you don't have all of them, but you have some of them. But you got to be careful. You have to be careful. There's three things in this world that we all have to remember. We've got to be respectful. We've got to be responsible. And at times we have to be compliant. I mean, there's rules of the road. There's rules on a job. There's rules in a family. So you have to remember those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anytime we get out of balance, where we're showing respect in the face of disrespect, or we're irresponsible for something that we don't have... We're, we're responsible, or we think we're responsible, for something that we have no business being responsible for. Someone blames you for something. And you think it's actually your fault when you had nothing to do with it. Right now you have fraud risks, you know, in terms of phone calls from people who I don't even know where they're from. I got a call the other day, somebody said... Um, there's a warrant out for my arrest and the police are coming to my house. I didn't do anything. I don't even know what they're talking about, but I actually, for a moment, said to myself, what did I do? And then all of a sudden you started seeing signs in the town where I live where it said, beware of fraud risk, beware of phone calls, don't give out information. This is something that became pervasive, so I wasn't the only one getting this call, and I'm not even sure what they're after. But for a moment, I believe that I did something. You, I, you can always think that you're wrong, when in reality, you're right in many ways. And in this case, I didn't do anything. But for a moment, I believe that I did. So, I have this thought, you know, that I'm dysfunctional, need therapy, warped, hate my parents, no business being married to a girl I've been married to for 10 years, so now what? Now I have all these thoughts racing within me. Well, I start to come up with a lot of excuses for my behavior. I act like a complete idiot than ever before. I go to therapy. And I divorced my wife. This is based on information that I received, you know, through my readings and thought process and, and other things. Let me tell you something, folks. Kids who are bullied and who are victimized may have been victimized more within their family than you could ever imagine. And because they were victimized within their family, they, they developed insecurities. They started to think about what normal was. They, had, they were hypersensitive. They didn't understand fun. They had trouble with relationships because of being bullied. And people who drink have a greater tendency to bully their children than people who don't drink. People who drink have a greater tendency of, of being hypercritical toward their children and treating them, you know, as if they do everything wrong and can't do anything right. 
and they go into school with all these insecurities. And as they get older and progress in life, what, what begins to happen, they may have said to themselves, you know what, when I get older, I'm not going to be like my parents and drink. That's what they're thinking. But as they get older, the pressure from the, 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 um, the treatment that they received in their home causes them to drink. And the cycle continues. I began to walk around and wonder if every move I made was related to me being an ACOA. I began to argue for my own weaknesses and I became more and more irresponsible. That's what happens when you see this. You start to become more irresponsible. The minute someone hangs a tag on you and you think you can get away with stuff or you can excuse your behavior because of symptoms that other people see, you end up going completely in the other direction. If you were once even half responsible, you become totally irresponsible. Now, one of the things that had happened to me. Now this, my conduct went on like this for about five years until I realized that one of these symptoms overreacting to changes over which they have no control. And I started to look at this and I began to realize that there were benefits to my time in history and to my upbringing. I was born at a certain time in, in history. I had the parents that I had and that there were benefits to my upbringing. And it took me a long time. I'm 65 years old and I continue to work on certain things, but I had to get to a point where I appreciated my upbringing and my time in history. Now, I'm not saying, you know, because you'll hear this a lot, well, your parents did the best with what they had. They could have done better. If they wanted to, they could have. The knowledge base that they had, you know, 55 or 60 years ago wasn't what we have today. Oh, they had AA and, you know, you could still get, you know, uh, marriage therapy and, you know, different things, but nobody went to it. Everyone lived in what was called a closed house where nobody knew what was going on in there. Nobody knew. If there was drinking or domestic abuse or whatever there was, nobody knew it. It was closed and nobody said anything. And that that's really how it was many years ago. Nobody knew. It was like a family secret. And I'm sure that there were family secrets right now that I don't even know about because my parents are deceased. And they were there. And I never knew it. I never knew a lot of things. You know, and sometimes you almost have to make a family tree for yourself 
and visit your grandparents' uh, place of origin. My grandmother on my father's side was from Ireland. My mother's side was from Hungary. You know, and find out about their upbringing and their background and what they went through. And then that's how they ended up raising your parents. And discover where it all started. Awareness is a great thing. Kids who are victimized, if they realize what's happening to them, whether it's being bullied or victimized in the home, and they're aware, they can change their response to the influence, which is what I did. I changed my response to the influence. Rather than thinking, oh, I'm determined and this is how it's going to be, which is where I was initially. But the bottom line is we can change our response to that influence and make adjustments and learn to live in a world that has many people with issues, many people with problems. You're not as unique as you thought you were. You can have these conversations. I bring up things often when I give a talk and I look out in the audience and they're all looking at me like, yes, I went through that. I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I had difficulty with my father. I had difficulty with my mother. You're providing information to me right now that will help me. And I thank you. And, and when I first started doing it, I never understood how much other people could relate to what I was talking about. There are benefits to our upbringing. And too often we look at the downside of how we were raised. Now I'm 65, I'm a baby boomer. I was raised in a home and, you know, I'm just like anyone else who was raised in that bracket. And many of us, from my generation, have looked back and began to wonder, how did it ever get this way? It started with us. It started with us. You had the depression babies, then you had us. And I've been through the different, the different um, generations. Baby boomers, millennials. I was a baby boomer. I figured that I could go on hating my life or I could look at it in terms of the benefit that the upbringing did for me. And I could use my past to help the future. And any time someone has a condition that provokes symptoms, and they learn how to overcome certain things, like a victim of bullying, raised in a dysfunctional home, raised in a, in a home where it was abusive and very hypercritical. And if they start to develop the ability to overcome things, they have to be able to share that with others. I started to take a better look at things when I was about 36 years old. 
in case you're wondering, I'm 65 now. I've already shared that. And when my youngest daughter, Grace, was about eight years old, and she's 23, so I was somewhere around um, when she was, I was 49. I realized that this whole thing, that whether it be ACOA or you were bullied or you had difficulty at home, you had difficulty in social situations, it's not a death sentence. It's not an emotional death sentence. It's an opportunity to put things in perspective for themselves. And when you have kids, you want the best for your kids. So my whole thought has always been, if I'm okay, you're okay. But I got to get okay first. As a parent, that's how you should look at it. If you're not okay, get okay, because your kids are depending on it. My parents didn't get okay. But I know better now, and I know that I have to get okay and stay okay to help my children. That's the bottom line. One day, several years ago, I was riding around in the car with my daughter, Grace, and I told her a story about my dad. And like I said, some of them were very humorous, and we both really started to laugh. And I'd always told Grace these stories. As a matter of fact, she asked me to tell her some stories so we could both really laugh together. And one day she came up to me with a list of stories. There were about 12 of them about my dad that she kept track of on paper. All of the stories that I told her were stories that came out of that dreaded ACOA environment that I lived in. You know the place, you know that place, the ACOA environment? Whatever environment you're in or your kids are in, you have the opportunity to change your response to the influence and not be completely screwed up by it. They were so funny that it didn't matter that my dad had the personality of an alcoholic because we were able to find humor in the past. And that laughter relaxed us and helped us understand it better. All Grace knows is that she and I can laugh together about all of the insanity that, went, that I went through as a kid. How great is that? So I ask you, my friends, what is it? What are the symptoms that you're fighting? Were you bullied in your home? Were you bullied as a kid? Were you raised in one of those environments like I just spoke about? Were kids tough on you in school? Did you have difficulty? fitting in? Do you have the, all of the personality characteristics that fit into one of the 
conditions that are in DSM-4, you can change your response to the influence. And you can help yourself and work through it and find your way and forgive the past and look at the future through another set of glasses. It's true, you can forget the past, but the past won't forget you. And whatever you do with it, you look at it as a learning experience that you can take with you to help your children and definitely help others. So I ask you, are you ACOA or are you ACOA plus? Meaning you're better than that. Are you a victim of bullying or are you a victim of bullying plus? A plus. Can you do it? Can you work on these things? And if you can, kudos to you. I love you for making sure that you take care of yourself and your children and others as they come across your path. My name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101. I beg you to go to my website, bullyproofclassroom.com. Go there, look at some of the products that are there, some of the the, uh, courses that are there. Take advantage of it. It will help you. I'm leaving a link Right in, the, right in this episode description. Also, you'll have a link in the episode description to donate. This podcast cannot go on okay, without help. And we need your help. And my listening audience is growing. And I ask you to please take the time to make a donation. The link is also on the website. Take a look there. See what you think. Okay, if a buck, two bucks, three bucks, it doesn't matter. It's only a few bucks a month helps us move forward. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. Today is Saturday. Uh, today is Friday. I'm ahead of myself. October 25th. And it's a little cloudy out. And it may rain tomorrow. Maybe it's going to rain today. But actually, it's a nice day right now and I want to remind everybody that you carry your own weather around with you. Thanks for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.